Think about seismic project. This is unique to New Zealand. We are not doing anything that has been done somewhere. We're just targeting our research to New Zealand needs. And this is, uh, the, the ideas would have to come from the panels. We can only facilitate it. They, they, would, they would have to tell us their needs, their problems, and then we can, can crystallize ideas for research. Kiora, I'm Troy, here as CEO, and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today our conversation is with the General Manager of our Welding Centre, Mikhail Kapenko. We are excited to discuss the projects that he and his team will be delivering for HERA members this year as well as the exciting future plans for the HERA Innovation Centre. Mikhail, can you just run us through the process at HERA that we use to identify which projects we're going to prioritise for the next coming financial year? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have an established process at HERA which uh, consists of uh, evaluating each of the research proposals based on some criteria, and the criteria are defined in our internal procedures. So one of the criteria is research quality based on novelty of the research. Has it been published before? Is it something new and that will add uh, sufficient uh, impact and value to, uh, to the research from the, from the research quality point of view? Uh, we have research impact and research impact is something related to economic impact of this research. So even if research quality is moderate but economic impact is great, this is something we also uh, would like to look at. And then the uh, third point is alignment with HERA strategy. And uh, this is something related uh, to our three years plan, three year strategic plan. And we would like to see better alignment of all our projects with our strategic plans. And the last one is the budget. Budget is essential and the budget is something HERA executive looks at. Once, once first three points have been flushed out and addressed by New Zealand Welding Center panel. Mm-hmm. And how representative is the panel itself? Who's on your panel? Uh, at the panel, we have a variety of uh, companies from uh, different areas. Uh, uh, initially, we had a number of uh, companies on the panel uh, who supply welding consumables because, as we know, Welding Center receives uh, levy on welding consumables. So those companies are well represented. Uh, companies like Welded, Weldwell, VOAC, Gases, they are all on the, on the welding center panel. Uh, we also have a, a representative from the steel construction industry. Since that, uh, we have a company involved in pressure equipment, fissure engineering. Uh, energy sector, Genesis Energy is on the, on the welding center panel. We have universities, University of Auckland and AUT are on the panel. And we also have a representative from competence and also private training providers because Welding Center does a lot of uh, projects and activities in the training space. So we need those people on board. And of course, we have also here a CEO uh, representing here executive. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's run through the priorities identified by the panel for FY20. Um, we have identified five projects as high-priority projects. Uh, The first one is a seismic research program that will run over three years period of time. 
Uh, the second one is uh, advanced design capability project, which is a two-year program. The next one is uh, performance of coastal weathering steel. It is a long-term project, six years. Uh, then the next one is the National Register of Welders. And the last is a welding capability review program for small fabricators, mm -hmm. which is a two years long uh, research program. Can you give us more details starting with the seismic program? Right. Seismic program is a continuation of our existing seismic program that has started in uh, 2017. Uh, this program was about uh, optimizing connection details for steel connections used in the structural steel and seismic seismic applications. So as we know, steel is uh, the ultimate material for uh, structures, for structures subject to seismic because steel is strong, steel is ductile, steel can be used at different type of loads, fatigue loads, impact load, concentrated load, seismic load. And the beauty is um, we can also quantify behavior of steel before the earthquake and after the earthquake. So this is this is the best material what you can have. Uh, the way the way the way it works uh, with steel uh, steel needs to compete with a variety of other materials, and we need to make sure uh, connection details are designed in an economic way. So it means welding is also designed, weld sizing and weld types are designed in an economic way. So we looked at some of those aspects of connection design in that uh, seismic project. Uh, we had some uh, good successes and good outcomes out of this project. The project is done as a cooperation one with the University of Auckland. Uh, Professor uh, Charles Clifton is involved and uh, also Professor James Lim and we also have international cooperation with uh, Professor Ping Shadong from University of Michigan. And the project is being uh, uh, done as a PhD project by Hafez Tahiri. He's, he's our PhD student who will become eventually a postdoc student. So basically, we're now completing this part of the work with the seismic project. Because this project has been so successful, we now have a continuation project which is targeting certain areas in the seismic uh, field. And those areas are using uh, fillet wells for seismic applications. Fillet wells are probably four times less expensive than the butt wells currently used. So it will, it will, it will, it will make steel structures much more economical. Uh, we're targeting uh, the use of the understanding or increasing our understanding of the fabrication tolerances, what kind of fabrication tolerances we have to uh, apply to steel structures under seismic conditions, and also what kind of connection details, little details used around connections we need to fabricate, like, like hopping holes, cutout elements, or some baking bars. Uh, how we can design it in a way to ensure resilience of our structures and also cost efficiency of it. So we are looking at this uh, program as a joint, again, this is going to be a joint program between universities and we also have University of Canterbury sort of coming on board. And uh, we're going to be resolving it using uh, two PhDs and half is will be part of the, part of the uh, program, uh, con continuing on this, continuing this journey on the seismic project. And this program going to be running over three years now. Mm -hmm. And we will be uh, extending our collaboration with Professor Ping Sha Dong um, in the next project, which is the Advanced Design Capability Project. 
That's right. That's right. Uh, we 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 can only we can only be successful by uh, cooperating with the top international researchers. It is not possible to do all the research and, and, and handle all the problems in house in New Zealand. It's not possible. So we need to we need to reach out to top researchers in the field. And one of the researchers and also our long term partner is Professor Ping Shadong in US. Uh, he is the expert in all sorts of uh, design issues, including high cycle fatigue and low cycle fatigue. Some of the methodologies developed by Ping Shadong uh, were uh, now implemented in the standards. They're part of the ESMI code, and we would like to see something which is really has been part of the other standards framework. We will look at it, and we and we basically get this technology. We adopt this technology and methodology for seismic. Uh, applications. Now, in this second project, which is called Industry Participation Program, and uh, this is also Advanced Design Program, we're looking at handling two uh, problems. The number one is high cycle fatigue, a design of wells for high cycle fatigue. High cycle fatigue is something uh, relevant for bridges, and this is design of bridge girders for high cycle fatigue, and we look at the design of uh, bridge girders from the viewpoint of can we uh, design it in a cheaper way can we can we simplify design of the wells uh, the current standards like arima or asnzs 5100 part 6 they don't give us clear answers whether we can replace bat wells by fitted wells and that's why we need to we need to do research we need to do testing the idea is we'll do testing at university of auckland and they will do advanced computation and modeling using Pinchas Dong team, and we'll also be doing FA analysis using HERA capabilities. Uh, so the industry is uh, assumes participation of a number of companies, of New Zealand companies interested in, in, in basically in this field, in the bridge design, and also uh, participation of universities and so on. This is a big cooperation project, and this is a, a two-year program. At the end of this project, we will have a guideline we will have a hero guide for fabricators how to uh, basically design and how to fabricate those structures in hopefully more economic way, replacing more expensive details for less expensive details. And the third project is again relating to bridges, which is the weathering steel project. Yes, yes, wouldn't be it would be nice to not having to paint steel because steel is such a beautiful material uh, if you have to paint it is is fine but this adds additional cost to it and the reality is uh, you're looking at some kind of maintenance over the over the of the period of life let's say if period of, of life was 100 years then you would look at some periods of of uh, repainting steel and this this applies additional cost to the life cycle so it would be nice to just build a bridge out of let's say steel and and not having to do anything just just build it and and leave it for 100 years and this 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 idea is not new because uh, weathering steels so-called weathering steels uh, so-called steels with an increased weather resisting properties they have been been around since 1930s but only in uh, 1980s we had the new generation of weathering steels uh, so-called uh, coastal weathering steels those steels have been developed for the use in coastal environment. And, and as we know, uh, most of the New Zealand probably is quite coastal. And the uh, coastal environment is more aggressive, chlorides coming from the sea spray. 
and the uh, understanding of the use of weathering steels in New Zealand uh, is fairly low, so we don't have any data supporting the use of those steels in New Zealand. And designers, they need data, right? So design needs to be based on data. And basically, we're talking about corrosion allowances for, for, for that steel. Let's say in 100 years' time, the steel will lose maybe one point, whatever, five millimeter of thickness, and designers would have to account it in the design equations. So what we are looking in this project, we are looking at doing exposure tests for weathering steels, coastal weathering steels, over the six-year period of time. And we will have three... Uh, periods of retrieval. So we'll get samples out of the field and we analyze samples and after one year we hope to get immediate results that will give designers uh, immediate kind of indication uh, related to design assumptions whether it can be designed and in, 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 uh, the structure can be designed at a certain location using coastal weathering steels and after six years we'll have full confidence how the steels are doing. So we, we are looking at uh, using three types of uh, coastal weathering steels at three locations, starting from the moderate environment, going into more severe environment, and going into some kind of very extreme environment, like surf beach type of environment. Talking about coastal weathering steels, we should also keep in mind, Hira has published a guide on the use of standard weathering steels. And this is Hira guide R497. Uh, and this is a comprehensive guide on the use of standard weathering steel. So what we are doing now, we're going to be enhancing this guide by adding on coastal weathering steel to this uh, uh, guideline. The next project is a little bit different. It's relating to quality, which is the National Register project. Right. Uh, so the, 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 if you look at the quality, quality of uh, fabrication quality and uh, structural steelwork quality or quality of any welded fabrication, welder is one of the most important key impact factor, what we call key impact factor on quality. Uh, we've done quite a bit of research understanding the impact of welders and we know uh, that the welder can have a key impact on the number of defects that are being created. So the welder, welders may have a good days so or bad days. Welders may be well-trained or maybe less well-trained. And we also have a number of standards covering welders training and welders qualifications. So welders, welders need to be certified. The certification standards for welders, they have been updated last year. And we have two in New Zealand. We have AS and NZS ISO 9606 part one. And we also have ASNZS-2980 welder qualification standards. And our industry changed basically to adopt those standards. The standards are being widely used in New Zealand. The only issue that appears to be uh, kind of around is that not all welders are the same. So the standard is the same, but the, but the quality of welders it may, it may not be uniform. And this is related to the implementation of the standard. So this is maybe related to the welder skills on the one hand, and on the other hand is how the standard is being implemented and by who. So it's kind of kind of testing related, so how, how those welders are being tested. So the and the, 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 the this issue is more critical for companies involved, for fabricators involved in maintenance. Those companies would have to hire like hundreds of welders 
uh, hundreds of contractors uh, at the same time, and they, they need to they need to be confident that the quality of these people is adequate. So we have uniform level of, of training for those people. So anyway, uh, we initiated uh, based based on the industry feedback, we initiated a, a project looking at an option of uh, creating a wellness database for New Zealand. It's not only a database capturing all wellness; it's also a database stipulating defining requirements for testing providers, for, for providers who issuing test certificates for welders, and also training requirements for welders. Maybe we need to do something beyond just testing welders based on the welding test piece. Maybe we need to do some theory training for welders. So this is the idea, and we have two aspects to it. The one is we need to, we need to check visibility of the project, and another one, we need to understand, uh, well, Understand understand how we're gonna do it. What 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 sort of implementation do we need? To, what kind of system we need, and what 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 the, what the cost will be? One of the clear pieces of feedback that we got when we did the consultation with industry on the welding levy increase was a perception that here was really uh, only supporting the bigger end of town, the bigger companies, and that SMEs weren't getting the support that probably they needed. Do you think that was a fair comment, and and what do you think we can do about that? Yes, I think it was a fair comment, and this is what we're hearing by talking to the smaller companies. By well, maybe let's define what is a small company in New Zealand is 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 commonly a family business. This is a man and a wife, and, and there's a family, maybe kids involved in that, and they, they may have like maybe 10, 10 employees or less than ten employees. Uh, they have been doing a good job, right? All those people, the hardworking people and doing a great job. The only thing is, the only challenge is our standards framework is changing fast. Uh, and those, uh, those, those, those people, they, 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 have to, they have to basically be up to speed what's going on in the level of compliance. So we moved on from having the basic requiring just having certified welders. We moved away to the higher level standard, like welding standard ASNZS 1554, requiring welders and welding procedures and the welding supervisor. And now we, we, we move to the next step. In 2016, we had another standard, which is ASNZS 5131, requiring quality management systems. So the, 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 the people, they're doing a great job, but they may not have resources to keep up with these changes in the quality systems. So the idea in this project is we will we will offer offer a sort of assistance to the companies. We are not going to be doing work for them, but what we what we're going to be doing, we're going to be assessing their level of compliance with the standards by 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 doing assessment, physical assessments at the companies, and also at the same time we will assess their level of implementation of advanced welding fabrication techniques and technologies. Let's say they, they will get a benefit because they will get a, a feedback from us whether whether they're using the right and most productive techniques for achieving their goals. And also uh, in terms of the level of compliance and at the end of this assessment, there will be an action plan, right? And we will get back to those companies on a regular basis, see how they are, how they how they're doing on this action plan. And the also the idea is we'll benchmark them. So we'll have a group of company and our, our, our objective is we'll have 15 companies a year. And at the end of three years, we'll have 45 companies done and we'll have a benchmark and they can, they can trace their performance on this benchmark criteria and hopefully we'll get them over the line. And the idea is they will be moved to the next level to comply with these requirements of the uh, SFC, Steel Fabricator Certification Scheme. So we'll, we'll, we'll basically move up to the higher level. 
So that's an excellent summary um, of all of the panel projects, the five panel projects for FY20. The other exciting thing that HERA has in mind is to develop their HERA Innovation Centre. Can you run us through that? Right. So we, we, we developed some plans and um, this is basically uh, uh, some plans re resulting out of necessity of our, our current limitations. Our current limitations uh, is that, that we have a limited space for, for our workshop and training activities. Our space is very limit, limited at HERA. And we looked at the options of expanding the space and building up uh, potentially new facilities next to next to next to next to our existing one and the whole idea has evolved into the uh, much bigger and, and wider and more exciting idea of having an innovation center so innovation center and and this idea has been supported by hero executive uh, unanimously supported by hero executive and the the idea is uh, we will develop an innovation center that will include a large space for the for the lab we call it we call it fabrication lab, or, or we probably would like to call it 4.0 industry 4.0 lab at Hira. Uh, this will be this 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 space will be used for for research purposes. Uh, we can use the space for prototyping. So if industry would like to develop new technology or maybe test existing technology like robotics, application of robotics, and in different challenging situations, this is the place to come and to do it. Uh, we will use this place for training, a variety of training courses, including enhancing our existing training courses, but also moving into, into the space of inspection, non-destructive testing, protective coatings, uh, robotics, uh, virtual reality for welders, welders training, but also, also having training schemes for engineers, professional engineers, because as we know, uh, training uh, for engineers, or, or, or let's say, you, is, 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 is insufficient in, in, in the fabrication space, in the welding space. So we will we'll offer a range of uh, upskill courses and also programs for trainers. We call it train the trainer program, yeah, for Polytech students. Uh, the space will be used for, um, as an exhibition space for industry, exchange of knowledge so the the, 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 the industry will be invited to uh, exhibit uh, most advanced pieces of equipment and technologies and having meaningful interaction with the other parts of the industry we will we will encourage people to give lectures and to give seminars on latest technologies so this, this will be cross-pollination between the end users and the people who deliver technology the so this is this is the idea. This is a big picture stuff. The idea of the innovation center, and of course, we we would love to have a most advanced uh, fabrication lab, 4.0 lab. Uh, this is something we are working with the University of Auckland uh, uh, currently, and we would like to extend this cooperation. And this this lab will include a simulation of of uh, of the equipment. So we we will be able to simulate a kind of plant by using physical pieces of equipment and by using digital twins at the same time in the same lab, right? Uh, so at this stage, we, 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 we invite anyone to share their ideas with us. We would love to hear what, what can be done. Uh, we have no limitations. And, and, and we, we, we will have a reasonably big space. We can accommodate a lot of uh, probably new exciting pieces of equipment and, and, and ideas. Our members have uh, an immense amount of knowledge that you just mentioned in terms of cross-pollination probably needs to be shared. 
What what do you see the role of the clusters to be in that and, and what is the Welding Centre offering in terms of clusters? Right. So clusters, so we call it industry industry groups. Um, uh, the, the, the industry groups, they exist already. Like uh, one of the examples is New Zealand Welding Centre panel. And, and the, the, the core purpose of having industry groups is to identify the needs, the needs for the industry, the current needs. Uh, the needs can be, can be roughly speaking, uh, divided into a into couple, of, couple, of, couple of aspects. The one is immediate needs for technology transfer. Technology transfer is an interesting one because uh, if you look at the international research, it is highly unlikely that a single country like New Zealand will be doing more than 3% of the research in, 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 in a particular space let's say fabrication space, it, I, I would expect it to be much less. So basically, the 97% of that research or technology would have to come from somewhere. So this is an essential piece of what we, what, what we need to do. So we need to make sure the technology comes in and people are aware of existing technologies, but at the same time, panels would have to think about their readiness to adopt those technologies. So we need to look at a at training of people and at getting changing their mindset of in terms of adoption of technology think about automation think about 4.0 so this technology transfer aspect the second aspect is research and development is it something left we need to do research on think about seismic project this is unique to new zealand we are not doing anything that has been done somewhere we're just targeting our research to new zealand needs and this is uh, the, the ideas would have to come from the panels we can only facilitate it. They, they, would, they would have to tell us their needs, their problems, and then we can, can crystallize ideas for research. This is the second aspect to it. And the third aspect is about uh, having the right people in place. This is about training. Do we need to develop some training schemes for future, future uh, industry experts? Right? So we have current offers, but do we need to think five, ten years period of time? Think about automation, robotics, virtual reality. Do we need new generation of experts to come in? So this is, this is the package. So it's being, it's being done in the panels and it's also being done as a part of industry participation programs. So this is something resulting from the panel work. People may choose to stay on the industry participation program and, and, and make their contribution to it. It's obviously a really dynamic time for the Welding Centre, Mikhail. So what is the um, industry need that you see the centre responding to at the moment? What are the pressures for the industry? Right. We can probably identify two types of needs, immediate needs, uh, really immediate needs, and they're, they're probably located in, in, the, in the space of standards changes, in the space of quality management and changing of the standards, like changes to 5131 standard and, and compliance issues. And we were currently invest a lot of time and resources in resolving immediate needs. And, and, the, and, the, and the second second layer of needs are, are, are short-term or future needs. Maybe not future needs, maybe they need short-term, which is, which, is, which is today's needs. And uh, well, th those needs are resulting from, from different uh, forces acting on our industry. One of the forces are acting from outside. And this is pressure of uh, competing, competing with overseas fabricators and not necessarily competing on the, on, on, uh, according to the same rules and according to the same quality requirements. Let's say if someone wants to undercut New Zealand fabricators by uh, compromising quality or maybe health and safety in their, in their own country, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to, to compete. 
uh, we are quite expensive place uh, if uh, let's say if if you look at the at the tradespeople in New Zealand you probably expect a salary of uh, wages let's say wages of maybe some thirty dollars an hour plus and if you look at places like China you may be two dollars or three dollars an hour it's a significant gap in there uh, if you look at the uh, number of hours spent per, let's say, per ton of steel, if you look at the structural steel, how many how many hours you will spend to fabricate a, a steel part, uh, we're probably looking somewhere between 10 to 20 hours per ton in New Zealand, because some some of the structures we do are quite complex, as seismic, as it's not easy, so a lot of hours. Uh, the places overseas, like places in China, may spend 40 to 50 hours for the, on the same structure, but they will be still more competitive because of the cost, right? So you need to do something about it. And uh, the answer might be in automation. The, 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 the cost, if you, if you look at some data coming from, from, uh, from, from companies who have automated their systems, maybe uh, the, the numbers go, can go down to as low as 1.5 hours per ton. By using automated systems, so the, the the one of the pressure point is, do we need to automate? Can we automate? How to do it? What is the best answer? Do I understand my business well to make this business decision? So this is combination of of questions and combination of answers. And if you look at the global scale and look at the, some data coming from the uh, let's say use of robotics in the world, and some recent data showing that, that then we have. Um, in, for example, in South Korea, we have 631 robots per 10,000 employees. In New Zealand, we have 27. Is it adequate? It may be adequate, but we don't know. So the, the pressure comes. Uh, the pressure comes basically from that necessity to look at very seriously the, at the option of automation in order to stay competitive. Automation 4.0. But before, before, before moving into the automation, the idea is. The, our, our members, they would have to understand their business. How you understand your business? You need to have data. How you, how you get data? You, your, systems, your systems and pieces of equipment would have to be able to communicate to supply this data. If you have seen a milling machine or a welder, they, 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 they would have to supply data, how much time is spent on a job, how much time is spent on waiting. So having this big picture stuff and the way of analyzing data uh, will give you a fairly good idea, you know, where, where your bottlenecks are and how you, how, you, how, you can, how you can resolve those bottlenecks. And it will be a trigger for the decision-making, do you need to automate, or maybe you're fine, you're running business as you, as you used to. So this is the main challenge. Basically, starting from the basics, having the data sorted, data analysis sorted, and making competent, informed decision what we're going to do. We, we, uh, we, we had first series of assessments done. Uh, in, in September last year, we, we have done assessments with the University of Wollongong, uh, Professor uh, Chris Cook and Professor John Norris and our team. We went around and we saw a number of New Zealand companies and we asked questions, questions related to automation 4.0 and the variety of other things. What came out of it is quite interesting. Uh, the level of automation is not too bad, right, on the relative scale, but it can be improved. Uh, because of the material handling and processing capabilities, not necessarily around welding and fabrication. This is this is the robotics is not is not it's not as well developed yet. Uh, but data analysis is is well behind. So the our fabricators are not analyzing all the data 
and they're not able to collect all the data. So this is this is where we see the immediate bottleneck to be resolved. So we, we we kind of we kind of see this a pressure point, and we have a program around it. So we're going to be offering so-called industry 4.0 assessments to specifically develop a bit of a roadmap for our industry where we're going to be going. So there you go. Thanks for joining our conversation with Mikhail today. Welding is an integral part of our industry's capabilities and the work that welders do is incredible. I recently came across a post on LinkedIn that summed up the role of a welder so eloquently. It said, I am a welder. I use the hands of a surgeon and the genius of an artist to fuse metal together using electricity and fire to build the world. What do you do? It was a great reminder of how important our R&D is to support this fabrication process and the people behind it. We would like to invite your members to join our clusters. The clusters are currently allocated uh, in the space of automation, uh, pressure equipment, training and uh, advanced design, but we are not limited to it. So we can build up uh, a series of other clusters and uh, interest groups as, as required by the industry. Please contact us. Uh, you can call me on 021-84-9750 or email welding at hira.org.nz.